well, the easier Hello and burden. welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. I am here in the podcast studio, joined by my colleagues and friends, um, the Reverend doc- Dr. Michael Berg, Michael, uh, Michael Scott Berg. Did I get your middle name right? Nope. Keith? <laughs> nope. Oh, I just said Keith because Scott Keith. Um, I said Michael Scott because of the office. You did tell me what it was, and I will remember. At some point, Jason, do you remember his middle name? Not right. I wasn't prepared for that. Okay, Neither sorry. Jason Dale nor Wade <coughs> Robert remembers that my middle name is John. I'm in this podcast studio with Michael John Berg and with Jason Dale Oakland, um, our adjunct uh, theology <laughs> professor. And we are not recording a wing in it session. Uh, this is often the slot in which we'll do a wing in it session, but we are doing an episode and we are continuing with Mike's theses. Um, what was the official name we gave these theses? Do you remember? Uh, freedom, conscience, and cultural engagement. Okay, and we have talked some freedom, and now we're going to talk some conscience. Um, so theses numbers, are, oh, they're not, they start at one over I again. started over. So he's got 14 of these. Is that, is there 14 yeah. holy number or anything? Or No. Okay. And we are a part of the 1517 podcasting network here at Let the Bird Fly. Go to 1517.org, check out their resources, look at the publishing arm. They have some great books, and they also have some books published by Michael and me. Um, Academy sessions for free, free classes, podcasts, blogs. You know what we haven't done in a while, Michael? We have not written any devotional blogs for 1517. We should do that. Um, Our good friend Jason should do that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. You should, uh, did you type up your, your fine chapel that you had on uh, Mark 9? Yeah, I have that. You should have Jason send that in. I thought that was a fine chapel that he did. Um, and so uh, we would encourage you to check I, I, that out. I preached today at chapel. You did a good job, I, too, I, with marriage, I, I Michael. I preached, too. Yes. Yes. I, w- um, I actually planned to raise, I thought you had a phenomenal sermon, one of the best that I've heard on marriage. Um, but I did have an issue. Yep. And you probably noticed in Telegram. Um, I as, knew it would as come a pastor, up. As a pastor in I, Minnesota for, for how many years were you there? Twelve. Twelve. Um, and I could tell Jason recoiled a bit as a, a Minnesotan mm. by birth. Yep. Um, and I only know it because Ben and Peter have often raised this issue. Mike referenced I, it was casseroles, not, it but not hot dishes. It did not go on. I, I actually thought about it, and I thought when in Rome, I will say casseroles. So cause, since you're in Wisconsin. Yep. So... I knew that I would... But you said you sat with widows in Minnesota. Yep. I mean, that's where you did you're, this. You're correct. But I, I just... I was translating for the people, right? Okay. I was translating I'll for the people. I'll accept that. When, it was a fine sermon. When Very I, fine. I, you know, to the Jews, I make myself like a Jew. To the Gentiles, <laughs> I make myself like a Gentile. <laughs> I lost my phone. To the Minnesotans. To the Minnesotans, I make I them... eat yeah. hot dish. Yep. Oh, and to the Wisconsinites... Eat casserole. That's right. Do you know? I would guess in northern Wisconsin they say casserole and hot dish. There are some hot dishes up by us, but where I live up north, but uh, that's mostly casseroles. <clears throat> in Minnesota, it was real the, quick. Favorite the casserole, casserole top of your head, dish. Jason. Ooh, favorite one, top of my head. There is. Taking too of, long, Michael. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm generally against casseroles for the most part. So I, I don't have a favorite. Sorry. I would say traditionally, uh, tuna casseroles are my favorite. Really? Yes. I was gonna say with tater keys, tot, but no that's celery. a little too easy. So I was gonna yeah. go with the, there's like this 
tomato noodle macaroni pea or right. macaroni and so noodles. So that brings us for our main topic <laughs> to our main topic for the day. And cheese. I th- feel like the ingredients were never going to end with that one. Um, <laughs> conscience. And so we're going to discuss Mike's theses on conscience. Jason and I have to teach um, in 48 minutes. So I'm going to do my best to rein you two in and keep this podcast focused for this episode. Um, Michael, would you like to give us our disclaimer? This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet earth that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything if you find yourself getting too worked up turn out look around and realize you were just listening to a podcast that's right a podcast so go live free friends and don't let us get in the way That brings us to our main topic, which is Mike's Theses on Conscience. Um, I will just reiterate, gentlemen, we only have so much time before uh, two of us have to go teaching. You would not believe what it took to get these guys focused enough to begin the podcast. Uh, it was a lot. So yeah. if we can dial in, and uh, and maybe, Michael, you let us know. How would you like to approach this? Do you want to just start going through chronologically? Do you have one you want to throw at us well, metaphorically? Maybe just a little bit of a background. So uh, the, at least in our circles, the idea of conscience is coming back. And is it safe to go against conscience? So when you are acting and deciding uh, what to do, um, sometimes it can be difficult to figure out what is the right thing to do. Uh, add to that uh, uh, the doctrine of adiaphora, right, where we have loosely kind of um, uh, described as things that are neither forbidden nor commanded in the Bible. Middle dinge, things in the middle. Um, and it, it can be difficult at times. Uh, I, I can remember as a pastor often saying, uh, you know, I want you to do what you think is best and say, Lord, have mercy when you're done. Right? That, and, and then you're in the yep. hands, hands of God. Those uh, descriptive Germans, yeah. they, they do a nice job with some of those tricky terms. So, uh, but... There is the idea of, okay, there may be, let's say, a vaccine mandate uh, in any, that's a large term, right? Mandate, we don't, there's going to be details in each, each section or each, each uh, iteration of a, of a mandate. Um, but people are saying, I can't go against my conscience, maybe either way, right? And, and so people um, are asking for and have been granted. We see this in the news. Um, maybe sometimes a medical exemption from that, but also then a religious exemption. I can't go against my conscience. And so that's a very difficult thing as a pastor. If someone comes up to you and says, I don't feel like I should have to do this or I don't want to do it. I think it's bad. I think it's against my conscience. Can the pastor just write an exemption so the person doesn't have to get the whatever, in this case, the vaccine for an employee or something like that? And that becomes kind of tricky. I think I would come down on that 
the pastor should not write the exemption for that. But oh, it, controversial. It, it gives a it, it opens up a bigger question of well, if it just goes against my conscience. I mean, there's a lot of things that go against a lot of people's conscience. Should mm-hmm. the pastor just mm-hmm. be constantly writing things all day long? You know, <clears throat> so um, that that becomes it, it's not a very easy question. I, I hope that pastors are not just flippantly filling out this paperwork without actually thinking about it. So um, I don't think pastors would ever do that, Michael. No, I would hope not. Anyway, so uh, these I are. Would, I would like to say. Um, that I often think I share the same opinion with you, uh, but just with more bombast. <laughs> so you said what I probably would have said, but I would have said it more bombastically in a way that would have alienated listeners and probably impeded the uh, conversation. Just wait. Uh, I will see how riled I get up <laughs> in the next 45 minutes. Right? Uh, I just hope we can keep a big dog over here calm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not easy. Although it is dangerous to go against one's conscience. I will grant that. If one's conscience is making a law where God has not made a law, then the pastoral goal, I would think, is to free the conscience from a man-made law. That was my first thesis. Our first thesis. Um, I think people, how many times do people come up to you and they are bothered by something? Maybe it's a sin of their own. Own. Maybe it's something in society. Maybe it's something in the church, some thing that was voted on or something like that. And they're maybe riled up or maybe they're really seem to be burdened and sad by this and confused by whatever it is. And I think we all had that experience where we wanted to calm the person down. They were making something. They were making a mountain out of a molehill, right? Um, or as they would say in Minnesota, the reaction to that is pole vaulting over mouse turds. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard that, That's Jason? a good one. That is a good one. That is a good one. You had heard I, that before or no? That I, I've not heard that one specifically, but uh, we, did not have mu- we did not have much in the way of a pole vaulting program where <laughs> I was. So. Um, but but <clears throat> sometimes the pastoral goal is to say you're making an unnecessary you're burdening yourself or you are burdening other people with a law that is unnecessary and the goal should be a free conscience not necessarily always following the conscience if i can make that distinction right so if somebody really really needs to follow their conscience by following some dietary restriction i would be careful not to say well that's dumb you shouldn't you shouldn't uh restrict yourself from that uh i would say follow your conscience if it bothers you to to eat that then don't eat that but but a part of the goal would be to say you know you're also free from this like you shouldn't even be bothered by it at all don't worry about it right and there <laughs> there can be a, well the sometimes you goal. shouldn't be bothered by it sometimes you should be but sometimes it's not religious either way if right that makes sense. right so i i think that the goal is a truly free conscience right and and sometimes i think that um, we don't always appreciate that when we flippantly say it's always wrong to go against your conscience. Well, if I could, yeah. if I could build upon. Oh, sorry, Jason, were you about to no. jump in? <clears throat> um, I was just going to say too. I think that you know that idea of it's it's important to let your conscience be your guide, but also to recognize that consciences can be misinformed, and, and it can be mis- misinformed a couple of ways. And I think that's kind of you know where you're going. Um, with some of that to, to recognize that, you know, that's the case, not only 
when it comes to theological matters, but that can be the case with any matter of conscience. And to, to remedy that and make sure that your conscience is truly, uh, truly and fully informed on the issue, uh, rather than just saying, well, this is my initial reaction um, and that's how I feel about it. And that's, and, and I'm convinced that this is right or wrong, um, <clears throat> to be willing to say, yeah, but is that entirely? And, and I think that's going back to that idea of, uh, the man-made law. I think, you know, that can take any number of different shapes in any number of different areas. And I think that's an important part of, of really truly letting your conscience be your guide and following that is that it has to be a, a rightly formed conscience. So I don't know if that was, mm-hmm. uh, going where you were going to go away, but, uh, I, I, I appreciate what, uh, what that thesis is getting at. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, I was going to just make a, another distinction in, in that regard too. So for instance, um, Michael, you mentioned food and I would say there are, for instance, um, Areas where conscience may bother one with food on religious grounds. And there may be another area where it bothers one on what we might call ethical grounds, but not religious grounds. Um, and <coughs> ethical might not be the best word there. Well, what you're after is uh, um, ethically, sourced, ethically sourced food kind of well, thing. Well, uh, I'll use that as an illustration, okay. yeah. So if we... Um, one might find... Uh, for instance, yeah, if we're talking about ethically sourced food, um, problems in how we currently now come by most of our meat, environmental problems, um, treatment of animals, treatment of workers. Um, one might think climate-wise, right, which I know is a hoax, Jason, <laughs> but that climate-wise that maybe there's not sustainability to currently how we uh, are providing food for ourselves and doing food. And yet, um, in Christianity, right, there are no dietary laws, which is one of the things that makes Christianity especially unique among many religions. I could, therefore, make a a strong ethical argument about why we should consider reexamining some of how we do food, right? Um, Maybe to eat certain meats less or um, to to maybe get meats in a different way or, um, and not just meat, but uh, how we go about a lot of things. That could be a conscience issue for me, but it ought not become a conscience issue that has to do with my relationship with God or my relationship with neighbor within the church, right? Um, Because it's not something that God has given a word on um, and it's not uh, something that God has given a law on. Although I could very well, in good conscience, have meaning converse, meaningful conversations with fellow Christians about, um, you know, is this how we can best steward the earth or stuff like that. Um, and so I think one of the things we fail to make distinctions about, and, I, and you already hit on this a little bit, Michael, is uh, not every of issue of conscience is a religious issue, right? Um, and so if I can get to the max vaccine, uh, religious exemptions, as you mentioned, um, there could be a legitimate case where someone wants an exemption, but but we also keep in mind, often when one has a conviction of conscience, taking a stand means there are consequences that come with it. Think of conscientious objectors in some wars who have clear religious grounds for why they um, 
feel it would be inappropriate to fight, right? There is just war theory, and as Christians, we have to wrestle with, right, how that fits. Um, but there could be someone as well who doesn't have a religious conviction about being a conscious, conscious conv- uh, objector, but has um, still a conscious conscience conviction about uh, um, how things have been gone about or, or stuff like that. And I, my concern with religious exemptions, with mandate, with vaccine mandates, for instance, is that often maybe someone did arrive at something, it's a conscience issue for them, but it's not a religious conscious exempt issue, but because religious exemptions are permitted in some spheres, they maybe come to pastors, um, and here I think it becomes a second commandment issue to then put a religious stamp on something that the scriptures clearly have not spoken about um, in the ways many people are speaking about them. Someone maybe could make a sound biblical, biblical argument. I've not heard one yet, but um, a sound biblical argument for it. Um, for instance, that it's the mark of the beast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I do think we have to be careful not to Christianize, put Jesus on conscience issues that are not, there are things that, as Michael said, Christianity is meant actually to, to free us from such debates. So, um, or to go beyond that, it's deeper than that maybe, not that it frees us from it. We still are citizens and we have to, to navigate that. Um, and so it's kind of like the, the after the fact trying to get the religious stamp on it because out of convenience or because that's the route the law, the easiest route the law gives you to avoid this. Um, and maybe in that way we can not diminish the conscience of the person struggling with the thing. Mm-hmm. But we can also be honest about what it is and why they're struggling. The same as the person who chooses not to eat certain meats. So long as they're not saying it's because certain meats are inherently unclean or certain meats get in the way of your relationship with God, um, we can respect that and say, you know what? That's maybe something all of us can think about. That's a legitimate ethical concern. But not bring it into the religious sphere and make it um, something that is... uh, uh, in any way impacts divine righteousness, which is gift, or even relate, that we're not condemning our neighbor on religious grounds um, based on that as well. And I think that's where, as you mentioned, Luther has been brought in, and we've taken this here I stand in conscience, and we baptized anything having to do with conscience. Um, and so what we see is a often very religious impulses, whether they be political, um, social, <coughs> economic, um, behind these things but they're not they're not christian per se um not to say that christians can't wrestle with them i don't know if that made sense sure but yeah i i think too that just to you know to recognize that when you talk religious exemption that's con that that's oftentimes different than conscientious objection mm-hmm. when you're if you're talking those specific things and i and i think that's that's an important thing to understand in that particular area of of conscience and man-made law yeah i think the the flip side too is um you know you can make an argument i think even stronger argument i would not make this argument but a stronger argument that you should for instance get a vaccine right i mean if if we would you could you could make a religious argument on the other side you could easily try to bind someone's conscience from a religious point of view as well. And I don't think we want to be in either, either camp. Right. And, and yeah. the reality right. is the reality is, is that if you as a individual pastor or a group that, that have just, well, it's just this person's conscience. We're going to put the reality is, is then you're coming down on the side of the argument, whether you intended it or not, you are. 
and that has ramifications for the spread of the gospel. And and, and that can that can lead to setting up um, a stumbling block. Right now, that person's conscience that wasn't necessarily impacted primarily by legitimate Christian concerns can feel like they have become a weak Christian or right the impression can be given and then that does become a religious issue I would say if either side of whatever issue were to try to do that uh, you know, then let me give me my second thesis here sort of to the point there is a difference between following one's conscience and submission to Christ in matters of adiaphora and on the other hand publicly claiming righteousness in matters of adiaphora the former seeks a, a true clear conscience before God I'm struggling with this I want to submit to Christ the latter I, this is too strong but let me let me add a word tends to or at least give the impression of binding the conscience of of others right if you say if you publicly say and you're going to make a big deal about this is my conscience this is right this is wrong and i get an exemption and it's not just an exemption from the ramifications of the cross but sometimes a, an exemption maybe even from even having a decent debate within Christians from your brothers about and it, sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You really are maybe not specifically trying to bind someone's conscience, but in reality, you're kind of saying, I'm following my conscience, why aren't you following yours, right? I mean, you have to, you, you have to um, at least appreciate that that is the impression that is given, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Again, it's one. Di- it's a difference between somebody humbly struggling with it, not making this huge public s- stink about it, and somebody else who I think is trying to try to say I'm better than you, right? Um, so we got to be careful there. Can I give a flip side of that, Michael? Yep. Um, so I agree with you, um, but you you note publicly claiming righteousness in matters of adiaphora. Um, and there, if I could ask, you're thinking primarily of divine righteousness, or you would apply civic righteousness to that as well? Um, I think that in in the mind of the of the person trying to seeking justification for him or herself, there, I don't think it matters. Okay, so so they're okay, and that's what I was. So they're claiming righteousness for themselves in these matters. Yeah, Which, not saying this might be in the political, economic, whatever sphere. Mm-hmm the more civic righteous. Mm-hmm. This might be better citizenship. Yeah. Um, because I would say there are some issues where we could say there's not there's not a clear biblical stance, but mm-hmm. just by nature of me making the argument I'm making on whatever issue, I am in a sense asserting this would be more responsible citizenship, which could fall in the realm of civic right. righteousness. Which we do all the time. Right. Which we do so all the time. So for instance, yeah. someone might argue Let's put the vaccines by the side for the moment. Well, let's go back to food. I think that's safer. Mm-hmm. Um, one might claim it's better citizenship to not just be, um, you know, fueling the factory farm, whatever. I, you know, I'm just trying to use what sure. people can identify with. Um, because it's not a sustainable thing. It hurts rural communities. It hurts the revi- environment. It leads to worse worth declining health or the spread of disease. These things may or may not be true, these claims. But one making that argument is sort of inherently saying, right, that, that we'd be better if more people did this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about one claiming, especially a uh, not arguing for a more righteous outcome, f- if we all do this, but virtue signaling, I guess, would be mm-hmm. what. Yeah. Okay. yeah, which, I mean, is kind of that, that idea of 
trying to make a public display of right with this that you know now you're almost by definition taking it away from taking it away from the area of adiaphora and maybe even taking it away from the area of conscience you know to say that this is that this is a stated law mm -hmm. uh whether whether you know it, no it's not really but but i'm saying it should be and, and, and maybe oh, live by the law die by the law we'll come to that go ahead maybe you could unpack or or jason since you brought it up the relationship between adiaphora and conscience because i think that is something important that we'd be clear on too unless you want me to say what i have in mind right. yeah, go ahead um but i'm just getting at when we're in the realm of adiaphora we often are in the realm of conscience so for instance um if i go out with my roman catholic family members on a friday in lent right whether or not you eat meat in lent is adiaphora it's a matter of conscience right um if they, in good conscience, don't feel they can do so, I would argue that's a conscience that should be free. That's a non-biblical mm -hmm. law. But at the same time, um, I can I cannot offend their conscience. Mm -hmm. Or if they claim it's sin, I can take a stand, right? But but then we're somewhat in conscience. Uh, how Luther or discussions about smoking, especially back in the day. I mean, now it probably still comes up. But um, whether you can drink, whether you can dance. You may have areas where you have weak or strong consciences right in play here. Um, so adiaphora is always going to involve that. The problem becomes when one rejoices in one stance, if I can use an example we'd all be familiar with, um, and an example of people getting an education that's supposed to provide nuance, having no nuance. Uh, we all at college or in SEM talked about not being a pietist, and that basically meant we'd have some beers or we'd whatever behavior, right? Yep. Um, when pietism at its core was not even simply just primarily about will you drink a beer or not, it had clear theological emphases and motivations. Right, that might have been an aspect that, but that was a symptom, not a, <clears throat> not a disease. Um, so that you know, um, that was just as much virtue signaling, you know, that I could have my uh, well, probably back in the summer days, it would have been a, a beast, or if I was a uh, feeling crazy. A beast ice. Ooh. Do they still make that? That might have been one on their cut list because they just cut a bunch of those. Did they? Yeah, and that might have been it one It was a nice them. beer. Flavorful yeah. beer. I, I Might even have uh, done a little dancing. Ooh. Put a little Run DMC on. I remember yeah. one sectional dancing in a, some Run DMC. Yeah. And <clears throat> that was great. I wasn't sinning, at least nothing I recall directly. Um, but uh, But I also wasn't... It wasn't virtue, right? If that, I, I don't I, know, I'm just trying to get at the connection between the two, but I'll let you guys yeah, know. Yeah, so uh, to bring it back to the vaccine thing, you can virtue signal, if you, uh, that's a lazy way of saying it, on both sides, right? Like, I am, look at me, I'm taking a stand against um, the government or whatever, and, and I got my religious exemption here, right? You know, that can be just as bad as somebody guilting somebody into, you know, saying... Uh, if you don't, if you don't do this, then people are going to die, and it's going to be blood on your hands, kind of thing, right? There's a lack of nuance on both you know sides. It would be nice if we could do, you know, how the Mormons and a publicly the righteousness. <laughs> Wish we all get vaccinated for the unvaccinated, <laughs> and then everybody could be at peace, right? Like <laughs> because it bothers someone dead. else's conscience, but not yeah. mine, and then I, I just get, I get yeah. double vaxxed again. Yeah. But for them, yeah. I got my booster, by the way. I also got my booster. How'd you feel after? I feel like 
feel like a man. Jason didn't get boost because he got the garbage vaccine. Yeah, that's it's all right. But that's okay. I'm covered. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, I was gonna say I, you know, going back to dancing, I still try to dance as little as possible. What's, but, the, what's the problem with dancing, but, according to our? But that has, professors at college, do you that, remember? That has nothing to do with morality. It's just, you know, more ability and uh, trying to, you know, spare the eyes of others. Yes, that's right. Do you, do you remember what a certain professor used to say about dancing? Why it was a problem? It's a... A vertical? A, a, a vertical expression of a horizontal desire. That's correct. I believe was the uh, phrase. And if you've ever chaperoned a, uh, a dance for teenagers, part of your job is making sure that that does not manifest itself mm. it stays vertical mm-hmm. yep <laughs> the uh because some might say there ain't nothing wrong <laughs> with a little bump and grind but uh not at a lutheran high school there is yeah. <laughs> do not do it mm-hmm. you should chaperone it you teach at wisco how come i'm not chaperoning yeah. dance what was Ever. your what was i the would like you to keep an eye on my kids yeah, I'm not doing that. What number was the bump and grind? Yeah, I, did, I, I, I think that was uh, 96, right? It didn't make the cut. Is that R. Kelly, by the way? I don't know. I, I might get remember. canceled just recording oh, that if yeah, it was. Probably. Um, He's bad. We all agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Agree. Um, a lot of this has to do with... He needed a better conscience. With yeah, Or one at all. Uh, <laughs> suffering. And the, the old Adam seeks to justify himself. The new creation is already free and understands that. And therefore is, uh, concentrates more on the love of neighbor. And I, I, I want to talk about the, uh, of suffering too. I, I think there's an idea of, well, let me read these, these ones. Theologians of the cross do not demand that the world accept their positions in order to ease the burden of their crosses. Maybe they push their, maybe they push their positions because they think it's right, but not in order to ease the burden of their crosses theologians of the cross that brag about their so-called crosses are not theologians of the cross but negative theologians of glory and so um, our lack of understanding of suffering here uh, does play a role in this where I think if you are literally going to be play the martyr card well then you should accept the cross that is laid before you right so I, I it's hard for me to listen to people who let's just say, have not suffered that great in a, in a great manner. Greatly. Greatly. And then have um, at times manufactured this uh, suffering, this martyrdom. Um, and then on top of it, demands not to have to suffer for this made-up martyrdom, I think is a little much. And once again, um, besmirches it's a good word. The Ooh. Christian name in America. Yeah, you know? I, I would say it's a, a sclerotic form of Christianity. Yeah. Let me let me <laughs> let me say it uh, even more uh, abundant, abundantly, with a cornucopia of um, of adjectives that a plethora a plethora that um, that lots of good words. Plenitude. The contemporary evangelical American prosperity gospel theologian of glory mm-hmm. Christianity mm-hmm. has generally not suffered any martyrdom at all at least compared to the very difficult some people made fun of DC talk that's very difficult um, 
uh, blood-soaked martyrdom of the Christians in the past. And maybe we in America as Christians tend to get made fun of, not because of our message of the cross, but rather because of our shallow Christianity. And maybe that we sort of deserve it. Yeah. And that we should maybe be more attentive to what people think of Christianity and ask ourselves, do they have a point? Um, or is this a true, uh, is this a true attack on the Christian message? And if it is, then rightfully pick up the cross that has been laid before us in true martyrdom and do it with a little bit of charity and decency mm-hmm. rather than, let's say, um, whining and complaining. That seems inconvenient, Michael. <laughs> um, but you do bring up a good point that I would like to hit on. Um, you mentioned the martyr card, and I have an idea now for a board game. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, American Evangelical Christianity right, is the theme, and it's called the martyr card. Mm-hmm. And so you roll the dice, and... Um, you know, you you uh, what do you cast the dice, or is it die? Dice is plural. So if you have so you cast the dice, and then you you draw, and you get you you already have you have three martyr cards, <clears throat> and you have to to get through the board game without violating your conscience. <laughs> and so you roll, and then someone you know uh, pulls the card, and it's like go five spaces if you buy a gun, and you're like oh I'll buy a gun because <clears throat> Jesus. One, two, three, four, five, because I'm an American evangelical, right? So, um, you know, and then you roll the dice, and you're like, trickle-down economics, go three spaces. You're like, oh, I love, you know, trickle-down economics. Um, And then you get like, uh, you roll the dice, you know, and you're like, um, let's say like, uh, um, free lunches for the poor. Martyr card, Yeah. right? (laughs) And then you get to draw another card. So you see how far you can get. And right. you only get three martyr cards. Right. So how much are you willing to suffer? Because you're eventually going to run out of martyr cards, and you might you might draw something like, I don't know, something clearly unbiblical, um, providing health care for those with without it, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't go bankrupt. Uh, you can't do that. No. <laughs> but if you've already played your martyr cards, mm. now someone's grandma's not going to go bankrupt because they hurt their knee. Yeah. It's a good yeah. game. Yeah. I feel like it'd be a niche market. <laughs> <laughs> like you're like, yeah. this is what what are the ages? You don't put instead of ages, it's like theologically astute <laughs> but uh neither liberal or conservative. Harry yeah. Potter. Yeah. Do you play the Marty card for Harry yeah. Potter? Is Harry uh, Potter? Or like Disney? This could oh, this yeah. could divide Disney. Yeah. The American evangelical family or, or party that is gathered. Yep. And, you know, it's almost as if you're saying that the Christian should not expect the world to be Christian. Like mm-hmm. you should, you should not like, you shouldn't get, ah, why isn't everything exactly the way we think well, it should uh, be? Actually, I just thought of a new amendment to the game. After you've played your three martyr cards, you either have to put up with the thing or you get one insurrection card. Mm. <laughs> and so at that point, then you play insurrection and you just knock all the pieces off the board. <laughs> and, uh, and someone else has to come and it's put, like them, put them back start together. Over. Yeah. Start over. Yeah. Um, you say this board game is uh, it's not uh, what's an- the anathema. 
it's not legitimate. This is an Cheating. illegitimate board game. Okay. Yeah. Should I stop? <laughs> if everybody would like out there would like to go in with me on this board game, um, I have no business contacts, but I have a lot of ideas. <laughs> a lot of ideas. Um, maybe I could electric go. bikes, Michael. Yeah. What maybe. would you play? Well, that's be not, honest. That has nothing to do with bike mine. lanes. What would you play? That has nothing to do with you would play murder convictions. Card. You would play your murder. <laughs> I play murder. Card. I like needling you about that. <laughs> I like needling you about about uh, bikes. All right. Um, maybe just to kind of sort of wrap it up. That um, if it, if if the Christian's conscience is truly burdened, and we're not, we shouldn't make fun too much. I mean, there there are going to be people that. There, there are exceptions to all of these things. There are people that are legitimately concerned about these things. Mm-hmm. I, I think as a pastor, you try to work through it with people so that they can be free from that and they're not making a law that um, to burden somebody else. Or other, affirm them so they don't leave your church. <laughs> if the <laughs> Christian's conscience is truly burdened and if the Christian is truly making a public stand based on their burdened conscience, the Christian should expect and accept the cross laid before them, Right. Um, and they shouldn't uh, expect to have the world bow down um, to, let's be honest, sometimes a very unique understanding of Christian theology and ethics, right? Um, so it's just be careful when you throw around the word conscience, I think is probably what we're after here. And maybe we would, we would not always come down on maybe uh, politically or even the pastoral care in each circun- certain circumstance as, as uh, us three I'm speaking about. But I think we would all agree that throwing around the word conscience to uh, get somebody out of a struggle, maybe it is picking up a cross for taking a stand or to get themselves out of the actual struggle of seeing the other side that we, we would caution pastors from throwing around the word conscience and maybe even signing pieces of paper without without thinking. And, yeah. and just remembering that sometimes, um, often because of the theology of the cross, me following my conscience does come with consequences and that such consequences, and as you mentioned in another thesis, that suffering is also a part of the Christian life, can, that, that can serve a good purpose. Um, sometimes correcting my conscience if I was wrong, but sometimes also... Um, convincing me right that i i did act accordingly um and and giving me an opportunity to grow mm-hmm. i was <clears throat> wondering if uh i you know if maybe adding a adding one more um to this category with the idea of making sure uh, that as a christian making sure that my conscience is formed to the word of god by the word of god rather than any number of other factors that that certainly pull my conscience in uh, a variety of directions and maybe also then inform inform that conscience on some of these different topics and maybe not always the in maybe not always the best way yeah maybe maybe the assumption should be my conscience is not perfect it's dulled or maybe it can be uh, hyper um, sensitive to something it shouldn't Scrupulous. be because mm-hmm. of a certain political whatever and 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 being able to say 
is this really, does this really come from my um, theological convictions or is this coming from somewhere else, right? And instead of assuming that my conscience is always correct, yep. which would be, I think, really kind of a crazy thought to think that my conscience is always correct. Right. Yeah. And I think if we're going to draw in Luther and, and, and make him a paragon of, of following conscience, we remember, right, Luther wants his conscience to be captive to the word of God. Um, but he also is willing to be corrected by the word of God or sound reason. So, um, Oh, reason? You said sound reason, too? Yeah. <laughs> so this is, uh, right, when we're dealing with conscience, this is not um, once a position is taken that it has to be the eternal position. Um, so it's not then that we either that we shut ourselves off from neighbor either, but that we're willing to receive possible correction <clears throat> from Scripture or sound reason. So when it's outside of the religious realm, there are still... Um, Right. We want to have reasonable positions. We don't want to have strictly just emotive or passionate positions. Um, we don't want to be motivated simply by sloganeering. That can become uh, very dangerous because we become unbalanced as individuals. Yeah, so uh, I think the goal is a free conscience before God, a clear conscience before God. That comes from Jesus Christ right, and his righteousness. From there, since we are free... Uh, we are orientated towards the love of our neighbor. And I think sometimes when you, you you're always going to take risks, right? There's always going to be risks in this, in this world that you um, maybe, you know, go down fighting for truth and love instead of maybe selfish or an insurrection say, of truth. And yes. Love. Or let's just say fighting for something that is penultimate rather than ultimate. I like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess I'd rather go down um, loving my neighbor rather than living in fear for myself, holding on to something that is fleeting that I know is not going to last that long when I know that I'm going to be in heaven forever. Amen. Yeah, Michael. Amen. Yeah. I'm behind producing episodes, uh -huh. so I got to get these out. But uh, both of our teams for college football yeah. are ranked very highly. Yeah. We have to go pretty soon. Gut reaction when they play, who wins, what's the score? Well, I'm very concerned about Indiana and Michigan State because I really want a top 10 college game day in East Lansing, right? In East Lansing there. Uh, uh, I think that it would be a. Uh, like 13 to 10 game a very ugly who do you think wins i'm not i don't believe in michigan's quarterback okay i also think michigan state will win because uh they will be ranked uh -huh. which means jim harbaugh cannot beat them <laughs> um and i'm gonna say uh 24 to 14 party uh, it's kind of fun. To I pray see. the Lord forgives my hubris if if yeah. I am being arrogant. Uh, we do have a we do have a little trophy on the line. Mm -hmm. We have a little um, Paul Bunyan statue that goes from from possession to possession. Uh, Jason, by the way, I have a little brown jug between Michigan yes. and Minnesota. If they ever Wait, play Minnesota again. has a football team, a college football team. Uh, two time national champion. Yeah. Was that before or after um, everyone was allowed to play? Um, <laughs> it was it was World War Two era. Okay. <laughs> They, they have a long and storied history, <laughs> long but storied history. it's uh, been long ago. <laughs> long ago. Yeah. Uh, but we, we could maybe transfer the little brown jug yeah. from office to office would be actually a cool, kind of a cool yeah. thing. Sounds too. good. Um, no, it, uh, it's kind of fun in the Big Ten East. Uh, four, 
in the top ten? Yeah. Whereas everybody in the yeah. Big Ten West is just for the most part. Besides bad. Iowa, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're terrible. Iowa is. Uh, we'll see. Rolling. We'll see. Um, All right, you guys. There's a lot of time yeah. for both of our teams to disappoint ourselves. And no matter what, we've got a clean conscience in Christ, and uh, we should let the bird fly. And Jason and I should go teach, and I should pull these files. Sound Agree good? to all of the above. All right, let the bird fly. One more time, I'm just going to say it. I feel okay, like I all, all together, one, two, three. Let, let the, the bird, bird fly. fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down. Another round.